Welcome, wrestling fans from around the world to In the Ring with Brandy. I'm your host, Brandy, and on this show, we talk about all things wrestling from AEW to Impact, Ring of Honor, WWE's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. On tonight's show, we're going to be covering Raw and SmackDown for 726, 730, 82, and 86. So before we even jump into the action, let me explain a few things to you guys. Since some of you are going to be completely and absolutely confused. My work schedule is kind of conflicting me being able to do a podcast every week. It's I mean, I know you guys are used to it and I apologize, but because of work schedule confliction, it's going to be from now on every two weeks. I will be giving you a double feature of Raw and SmackDown. NXT and NXT UK and AEW and Impact. So you guys won't miss any part of the action. You'll be caught up for two straight weeks. So, with that being said, again, every two weeks, double feature, guys. Every two weeks. So make sure you tune in every other Sunday to catch the double features of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, AEW, and Impact. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's kick in to Raw and SmackDown for 726, 730, 82, and 86. All right, let's go with Monday Night Raw for 726. Of course, Raw opens up with a promo from Nikki. We all know she cashed in and she beat Charlotte Flair, courtesy of what Rhea Ripley did, which was absolutely awesome. She's one of the, you know, I love Nikki. I love the way that they did this. I love the fact that Nikki defied the odds. And, you know, she's one of those superstars that you just got to pay close attention to. She's absolutely amazing. I love her. But it opens with, of course, the new Raw Women's Champion, Nikki Ash. And she says she's always wanted to say this. Welcome to Monday Night Raw. It's kind of neat to get to hear her do that. Because you're like, oh, this is something fresh. This is something new. Like I told you you guys in the past. I love seeing the fact that Nikki, someone new, gets to have that title. And gets to shine where she belongs. I love it. I hate seeing the same old, same old people every Monday night opening up Raw. Just like I hate the same old, same old on SmackDown. After a while, as an audience fan, you know, as a fan of this, you get tired of seeing the same people every single night. It gets old, and you get tired of it. But she feels like she's in a dream. She keeps wanting to pinch herself. She keeps saying, I want to pinch myself. I just, I, I keep thinking I'm going to wake up. This is all going to be some kind of dream. I'm never going to, you know, I, I'm dreaming this whole thing out. And I love her enthusiasm. I really do. I love Nikki right now. She is on an ultimate Hi, and it's an amazing feeling to get to experience this with her as a women's wrestling fan and watch her just blossom from this quiet, shy little superstar to someone that just exploded. I love it. I absolutely love it. She said in the past, when she reached for the stars, she was always afraid that she could never quite reach them. She was always told by everyone that you would be nothing more than a failure. She would try to, you know, push herself to the limit, saying, I can succeed, I can succeed. To me, guys, as a wrestling fan, whether you're male or female, whether you're young or old or you're a child, this is a huge, 
huge, wonderful influence for young, young wrestling fans that get to see this. She's a great influence for them. And I love that she is, you know, explaining, you know, what would happen, you know, how she felt. I love this. I love this angle. I love where they're going. She says that she used to tell herself, if you fail, you fail. Get back up. Try again. Once, if you first you don't succeed, try, try again. I like that thought. She said she's always told herself that she was almost a superhero, but not quite there yet. Now that she has the title and she succeeded in, you know, getting to that point, she feels free. She feels better. She feels like she's accomplished so much in that short period of time. And I love it. Well, who comes out to rain on her parade other than Charlotte Flair? Here we go again with Charlotte Flair. WWE, you've got to give us a break with Charlotte. You know, I mean, you've got so many good superstars back there in the back that you can put against Nikki. Why do you have to bring Charlotte into this? But unfortunately, she comes out. And she says, oh, Nikki, that's a nice, that's a happy little fairy tale. But your fairy tale doesn't have a happy ending. Really, Charlotte? Seriously? You have such a problem with someone else having that title. Your ego is so big that you can't get past the fact that someone else gets to be in the spotlight. To me, that bugs me. I mean, it bugs me. It bugs me beyond belief because Charlotte should be happy that someone else is stepping up to the plate and saying, I'm going to fulfill my dreams. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to do these things that I set out to do. I'm going to accomplish what I said I could do. I'm going to put that faith in me and I'm going to do it. To me, that's a positive attitude. That's a great person to have as a women's champion right now on Raw. It's a great person to have. It is a positive role model for young boys and young girls that want to reach for the stars. It's a great role model. Great. I love the positivity. But then she claims Nikki hasn't worked for it. She hasn't earned it. She basically claims that Nikki uh, Nikki and Rhea act like spoiled little brats. Really? I'm not that whoa. I'm watching this, and I know you guys at home are watching this too, going, wait a minute, are we watching the same Raw here? Did we step into a different alternate dimension? Is Charlotte from somewhere else? Because I know dang well, Charlotte's from the same, is watching the same thing we are, and Charlotte knows dang well, Rhea and Nikki have never come out there and threw a fit because something didn't go their way. They didn't go whining to Sonya Deville and Adam Pierce to get their way. Nikki and Rhea have worked and earned everything they've ever gotten. They've never once pitched a fit or threw their name around just to get it. You, on the other hand, Charlotte, have. And it bugs me that you would even claim that these two women, who are hardworking women in Raw right now, would even be considered spoiled. I think you need to go take a long, hard look in the mirror, because I promise you right now, you would see your reflection staring back at you, showing just how spoiled you really are. Do we need to go back and show when you threw a fit because Rhea DQ'd? If that had been anybody else, I know you guys would agree with me. They would, if they'd been Charlotte, they would have slapped on the wrist and told her, go on. No, they made Rhea jump through the hoop and have to prove yet again that she could beat Charlotte. To me, that wasn't fair. That was not fair. That's just how I feel about it. But to claim that they are spoiled, that bugs me more than anything, because I know for a fact, Rhea and Nikki work hard for everything they've ever gotten. 
They've busted their butt to get where they are now. And they sure as hell ain't going to let go of it anytime soon. But then she claims Nikki stole her title from her. Stole it! How did Nikki steal it? If anybody else, had, if you had cashed in, no one would have claimed you stole it. That's what the Money in the Bank contract is for. It is a contract, a binding contract, that allows the Money in the Bank winner to cash in on any champion at any time for one year. Do you need to be reminded of what a Money in the Bank contract is? Because I guarantee you, if you had had it, and it had been Nikki and Rhea battling, you would have cashed in. Any of us would have. If we had that golden ticket, Nikki did what anybody else on Raw and anybody else in WWE who has been a Money in the Bank winner has ever done. If that was the case that they stole it, Roman could make that claim on Seth. Heck, anybody could anybody could make that claim. Anybody that's ever had that Money in the Bank contract and lost the title to that contract winner could make that same claim. Oh, you stole it. She'd steal it. She 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 waited for the opportune moment to strike. She used the money in the bank contract and she won. Get over it, Charlotte. Move on. But she says she wants a rematch at SummerSlam against Nikki for that title. She blames the crowd for her loss. She says the crowd chanting for Becky and them is the reason I lost. Really, Charlotte? Now who's spoiled? Does that not sound like spoiled to you guys? It sounds like spoiled to me. Now you may disagree. And if you do, please give me a shout out on my social media. Even if you agree and you'd love to talk about it, put it on my social media because I promise you, a lot of you listening are going to agree with me that that seems spoiled to me. That you're going to throw a fit and that you're going to blame the crowd. Well, Rhea has had enough. Rhea has heard enough of Charlotte's whining and bickering and she comes out to shut her up. She tells her, we all, well, we all are so jealous of you, Charlotte. We are so jealous that you are the queen. We're just that jealous of you. And, you know, Rhea says, well, if anybody deserves a rematch for that title, it's me. I deserve a rematch. Not you. Not, no, 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 no. Not you, Charlotte. You've gotten rematch after rematch. It's my turn. My turn at it. She says, look, <clears throat> Nikki, you know, Nikki steps up. She gets tired of hearing these two bickering, and I don't blame Nikki. You know, you're stealing her spotlight. Her one dream was to get to stand there and tell everybody, welcome to Monday Night Raw, and get her chance to shine, just like the rest of you have. So, yeah, you're stealing it. So, Nikki finally gets tired of it. She tells them both, look, shut up. Be quiet. You want a rematch, she points to Charlotte, and you want a rematch, Rhea. You're on. I'll take on both of you. I don't care. I'm going to prove that I deserve to be where I am. I'm going to prove that I didn't steal this thing. I earned it. I'm going to prove it. Way to go. Nikki, stand up for what you believe in, girl. Stand up. Well, after she says that, here comes Pierce and Sonya Deville. And they let it known to Charlotte and Rhea that at SummerSlam, for the Women's Raw Championship, it will be Nikki Ash versus Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair in a triple threat match for the title. Now, you guys all know, for those of you who are new to this and may not understand, I don't like triple threat matches. It doesn't favor well for the champ. But this triple threat match might actually be halfway decent because I love when they do women's matches, and it's very rare that you get to see a triple threat match with 
the girls, the ladies of WWE. So to get to see this, it's going to be incredible. Yes, the odds are stacked against Nikki. They're not in Nikki's favor by any means. And I don't like it. But I would like to see Nikki actually put Charlotte in her place and shut her up. I really would. And truthfully and honestly, when it comes to a triple threat match, I know how Nikki and Rhea both feel about Charlotte. So their main thing and their main goal is, is they're going to get together to get Charlotte out of the picture so that the two of them can duke it out. To me, they're going to team up together to get Charlotte out because they don't want to deal with Charlotte. Though, I mean, Rhea really wants to face Nikki and Nikki really wants to face Rhea to prove that she deserves to be where she is. And the only way to do that is to get Charlotte Flair out of the picture. So, of course, we're going to see a team-up. Who doesn't see that happen at SummerSlam? Because I do. I see those two teaming up, get Charlotte out of the match so that they can fight it out between each other and prove that they deserve to be where they are. They prove that they've worked hard to get to where they are. Well, after that is told, Charlotte starts, you know, Claiming that this decision isn't fair, that she deserves a rematch against Nikki, that Nikki stole. Here we go again. Acting like an entitled, spoiled brat. Not Nikki. Not Rhea. Neither one of them are claiming, why. They're standing there quietly watching her throw her little temper tantrum because she feels like she got cheated. Again, who's the spoiled one? I mean, to me, does that not sound like to you guys that she might be a little, a little spoiled? She might just be. But... She says, look, I want a match with Nikki tonight. Not for the title, just a match to prove to, prove to the whole WWE Universe that I can beat Nikki Ash, that I can beat her. You're on. No problem. No problem. Sonya Deville and, P and Pierce are like, that's fine. It's not for the title. That's fine. You two can duke it out. Nikki likes the idea, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Charlotte attacks Rhea. Rhea tries to attack Nikki. It turns into an all-out brawl. Nikki takes both of them out. She knocks them both out of the ring, holds up that Raw Women's Championship, and stands tall. Like I told you guys, I like this with Nikki. I like what they're doing with Nikki. I like where this is going. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. So then we get, we move on to a championship contenders match. Love these matches. They're absolutely incredible because if you don't know what a number, if you don't know what a championship contenders match is, it basically means whatever championship is on the line, whatever championship is in that match, the opponent, if he can beat, he or she can beat the champion, they get a shot at the title. They get a shot at it. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week, but they do. They become, you know, the number one contender. So we have a, that's just a brief overall for you guys. So we have a championship contenders match for the United States title. If Damian Priest can beat Sheamus, he gets a shot at Sheamus's title. So now we have Damian Priest versus Sheamus. Guys, this is an incredible match. If you've not seen it, go Look it up. It's absolutely incredible. It is an incredible battle between two great competitors that really showcase what they can do. At one point in the match, now we all know Sheamus has that mask that's protecting his nose. Because his nose got broke 
by accident in a match with Alberto Carrillo. So we know that his mat his nose has been broke. So he's been wearing this mat, basically a mask, to protect his nose. Just to make sure that his nose doesn't get any more damage to it, that it doesn't have to go back to another surgery. It, it's just WWE being protective, and I like that. I like that they're protective when it comes to the facial area. Because you could do a lot of damage in the facial area. But at one point, Damian Priest actually kicks kicks it's an accident but he actually kicks the mask off of Seamus Seamus doesn't even miss a beat he keeps going without the mask proving that that mask is not losing that mask is not going to hinder him from beating the heck out of Damian Priest shows what kind of United States champion Seamus is it showcases just what kind of man he really is and how good he is love it absolutely love it but it's an incredible match, guys. It's absolutely incredible. But it does end with Damian Priest defeating Sheamus. Which means he gets a title shot for the United States Championship against Sheamus. Now, this could happen at SummerSlam. This could happen anywhere. We don't exactly have the details as to when this match will occur, but it will occur. I'm thinking SummerSlam because, that's, to me, that's what it would leave. You know, it would look proper. You know, it would be proper to put it on the pay-per-view. To me, it just would be. But then again, WWE is unpredictable. They're very unpredictable. So, it's very hard to tell what they're going to do at this point. Seamus, of course, after the match is over, is going, Get me a medic! Get me a doctor! My nose is broke again! We all know your nose ain't broke, Seamus. You're just trying to find some excuse again to get out of having to defend your title. Seamus is a great champion. I've always said that. When he is a champion, he is on fire. He's incredible. But being a heel, he does find ways to cut corners and get around having to defend the title. As long as he can hold it, he'll hold it. He'll come up with any way to get out of it. And the, oh, my nose is broke again, is one way of trying to get out of it. Well, now we see AJ and Almost, and we know AJ and Almost have been on fire. These guys have been incredible. They have showcased what they really can do, and I've been very impressed with them. I've been thoroughly impressed with, Shane, with AJ and Almost. I really have. And they're in the ring, and we're going to get a rematch. AJ and Almost versus the Viking Raiders for the Raw Tag Team Championships. We all saw what happened at Money in the Bank. Oh my God! It was a, I mean, it was an incredible match between these two. I'm not going to lie and say that it wasn't because it was. But we all know AJ and almost really whooped their butt. They really did. They proved without a shadow of a doubt that they almost impressed me. This man impressed me. He didn't. I mean, in the beginning, I wasn't quite sure. He reminded me of the little dog running around going, which way do we go, George? Which way do we go? That's what he reminded me of. But now, looking at it now, he's absolutely impressive. Impressive. This man's got some moves. This man's got some great in-ring talent. I love him. He's absolutely incredible. So to get to see him again showcase a little bit more of what he can do, I was excited. I'm like, okay, I like this. I like this little setup. This is a good match. And guys, I'm, I'm not going to deny it. it was an incredible match. It was absolutely fantastic. But of course... It ended, of course, with AJ and Almost winning again. But it really was a good match. Eric and Ivar and Almost and AJ brought it. They brought it like you wouldn't believe. It was an incredible... If you want to see this match, go on social media 
and look it up. I promise you guys, you won't be disappointed. It is an incredible match and almost really showcases what almost really can do. This guy, Yamuni, he's 6'7". You're not expecting this guy to be able to move like he can, but let me promise you, almost has got some moves. He's got some really good in-ring action, and I love it. It was incredible. Well, Drew McIntyre is out there because he's got a match between Veer from Indosheer and gender, Gender's with him. We all saw what happened with Shanky last week. We all know what happened with Shanky, and we all know what Shanky went through on the last Raw. He got he had the beat down of his wife. I mean, he got it. He got it bad. But, you know, it, it, it was a nasty fight. But, of course, Jinder and them had it coming. We knew that he had pushed Drew too far. And it was only a matter of time before the Scottish psychopath came out and showed Jinder Mahal what he's capable of. And, unfortunately, Shanky got the uh, rough end of the deal. So, now it's it's been a you know, turn from Indosheer. But Drew's out there and he's getting ready. And all of a sudden, this guy in a suit comes out with Jinder. And you're thinking, okay, what is this? What, 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 what's going on here? What, what are we seeing here? And he comes out in this nice three-piece suit. And he walks down to Drew. And he hands Drew this piece of paper. And Drew looks it over. And you can see Drew's face. And he's kind of snickering about it. And rereading it four times just to make sure he's seeing this correctly. We find out that the guy in the three-piece suit is Jinder's lawyer. And he is threatening, Jinder is threatening to sue Drew McIntyre for what happened to Shanky last week on Monday Night Raw. Exactly how does he have grounds to sue Drew McIntyre for what happened to Shanky? It would be no different than if the roles were reversed and it was Shanky doing it to Drew McIntyre. Would Drew McIntyre have the grounds to sue him? I don't think so. I, I, I think it's a, fruitless, a frivolous lawsuit, really. But the lawyer tells him, Here's what you do. To keep Drew for Drew from you getting sued by gender, you apologize for what happened to Shanky. And then you take these three gentlemen out for a steak dinner on you and let bygones be bygones and we move on. Drew's looking at that like, really? Really, gender? You're stooping this low? You're going this far? So Drew turns around and he asks the crowd, okay. I, I listen to the WWE Universe. I want to hear what the WWE Universe thinks about this. Should I or shouldn't I? Should I apologize to Gender and Shanky and Veer and tell them I'm sorry for what I did and turn around and buy them a steak dinner? Well, the crowd responds with a whopping no. I mean, whopping no. It's, it's loud, loud cry of no. Or should I turn around, tear up this legal document, and beat the heck out of Veer and prove to Jinder Mahal that he doesn't control what I do. What do you guys think? And they all, but that answer was a yes, yes, yes. Well, then after that, they started chanting that famous thing that WWE's famous for. We've all heard it on NXT. I'm not going to repeat it, but we all know what they say when Daddy's out there, a.k.a. Tommaso Ciampa. We all know. And they, instead of using Tomasa in that little chant, they used Drew McIntyre in that little chant. Gender did not like the response. Gender did not like the way the crowd responded to that, giving him that answer. Gender thought that the crowd would side with, with him and he would get Drew to say he was sorry. What does Drew have to say he's sorry for? 
He had no. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't step out of line. He didn't do anything that Jinder Mahal, Veer, or Shanky would have done themselves. He didn't do anything that no other superstar in the back, including Roman Reigns on SmackDown, would have done. It's no different. So, of course, he's not going to apologize. That's not Drew McIntyre. That's not how, you know, the Scottish warrior does things. So then we get, of course, Drew McIntyre versus Veer. Of course, Shanky's not out there. Shanky's not out there, but in but gender is, and so does the lawyer. It's an incredible match. I mean, Veer really does have some talent. I will give him credit where credit is due. He does have some talent, but he can't keep up with Drew McIntyre. He's having a real hard time getting past Drew. Real hard time. And you can see him. Gender even tries to cheat. It doesn't work. It just it it, it gets crazy. But eventually. Drew does end up winning by DQ because Gender somehow manages to do something that gets him DQ'd. So Drew wins by DQ. Well, when Drew turns around, he's looking at Gender's lawyer because Gender quickly gets Veer out of there. He doesn't want Veer to suffer the same fate that Shanky did the week before. So he pulls him out. Drew's looking at the lawyer. The lawyer is still standing by the ring while Gender and Veer are at the top of the ramp. Now, come on. Gender, you would think that he would go get his lawyer and make his lawyer go back up there, but no, he's going to let the lawyer take the hit because Gender doesn't want to get doesn't want to get hit. Well, Drew walks down there and grabs the lawyer, and he basically takes that lawyer and claymores him to prove a point to Gender. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing you can say. There's no running. There's no hiding. You're on my radar, and I'm going to eliminate you before this is all said and done. Just get prepared. Just, you know, say your prayers. Do whatever you got to do to get yourself right with the world. And get prepared for a beatdown, because that's exactly what's going to happen. I told you guys, this is an incredible setup. I've been waiting for Jinder Mahal to return and see Jinder versus Drew. We saw Sheamus versus Drew, and that was a great matchup. Now you put... Drew's other best friend, Jinder Mahal, into this, and it's an amazing... The modern-day Maharaja is good at anything that he does. If you have not seen the modern-day Maharaja, go look up Jinder Mahal on social media and watch some of his matches, because this is he is an incredible athlete. I'm not going to say he isn't. He is. But also, you got to look at Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is phenomenal. He is fantastic. He, you know, from back when he was in WWE to begin with to current, this is a different Drew. This is a whole different Drew you're dealing with. And Drew, and honestly, when I sit back and look at it, and some of you who are listening right now are probably going to say, hey, that does sound about right. The way his attitude is right now, Reminds me of when he was in Evolve, when he was in TNA, when he was in NWA, when he was in these other companies as Drew Galloway. Drew Galloway, if you've not seen him, go look him up. It's Drew McIntyre, but he went as Galloway. Go watch him. This man was lethal. He was dangerous. He was he was amazing. He was incredible. And we're starting, as me as a fan, is starting to see aspects of Galloway coming back in to play. I'm starting to see the Galloway that used to be in TNA 
and used to be over there in New, you know, had a couple of things in New Japan where he was in the Bullet Club, and I'm kind of starting to see that, and it's like, wow, this is interesting. It's interesting to see what's going to happen with him and Drew, with Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre. This could escalate into something really nasty at SummerSlam. We don't know. The sky's the limit as to what these two will do and what they will do to each other and how far they will go to prove who's better. Well, Ava Marie and Dewdrop. We know what's been going on with Ava Marie and Dewdrop. She just can't leave. Ava can't leave Alexa alone. And I've tried to say, and I know some of you out there in the WWE universe are going to say the same thing I am. Ask Shayna what happens when you mess with Alexa Bliss and Lily. It does not turn out well for you. You literally are looking over your shoulder every second of every day, hoping that you don't come into counter with one of these two people. Because it's not pretty. It, I mean, this, the doll is dangerous. And, of course, Ava and Dewdrop just cannot leave Alexa or Lily alone. And Ava's asking for it. She's asking for trouble. She really is. But they're getting ready for a match. And they're, you know, they're... They're not really showing any signs of nervousness, which in my opinion they should be because of what they did last week on Raw with Alexa and Lily. They should be very concerned. They should literally be looking over their shoulders hoping that she doesn't pop up somewhere or hoping that the lights don't go out and that doll standing in the middle of the ring or hoping that Alexa don't come up to the floor because you're expecting that. I mean, the way Alexa is, you wouldn't be surprised. It's very, very, very creepy, and it's very—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's amazing. And for the fact that they're not looking over their shoulder, leads me to wonder: is—is is Ava crazy? Is she—you know—she should have your head on a swivel because you pushed Alexa too far. You better have your head on a dang swivel, girl, because you don't know when that when Alexa is going to pop up at me. Come on, guys, she learned. The greatest things from the fiend. So you've got to be thinking in your mind. She has the same quality as the fiend. I don't want to push her any further than I have to. And Ava's acting like it ain't nothing. Like she's invincible. You're not invincible, Ava. You're not invincible by any means. And it's going to eventually come down to you learning a hard lesson. And it's not going to be a pretty lesson. Because Shayna learned it. And Shayna's not messed with Alexa ever since. Shayna's not eh, not messed with Alexa at all. She's not even thought about it. Neither has Reginald. Neither has, you know, Naya. None of them have messed with her. Because they know what this girl is capable of. They've learned a hard lesson. And like I said, Ava and Dewdrop may be getting ready to learn a nasty lesson that they won't forget. But of course, their match is her and Dewdrop versus Tamina and Natalia in a tag team contenders match. Basically, you guys know what happens. If, if Ava and Dewdrop are able to defeat Natalia and Tamina, they will get a shot at the women's tag team titles. Do I think that they deserve it? Dewdrop does, but Ava's not shown me any inkling that she can even hold a title without Dewdrop because she just doesn't get in a match. She takes every spotlight from Dewdrop every chance she gets. But it's a really good match. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible match. Absolutely great match. Of course, at one point, we lose Natalia, and we don't exactly know what's happening. We just know that. She goes out of the ring, and we see medical team heading straight over. Immediately, you panic because you're thinking, oh, no. 
Oh, no. We can't lose. I mean, Natalia and Tamina have worked so hard to get these titles. You've got to be kidding me. But we basically, they're not focusing on Natalia at that time. Tamina is standing on her own. I guess Dewdrop and a, I'm not going to wrestle Ava. I'm going to take a shot when I think I've got her. Tamina absolutely cleans the floor with both of them. It ends up being, of course, it's an incredible match. It's an absolutely incredible match. She wipes the floor with both of them, but it's what happens in the middle of the match, toward the end of the match, that, again, I told you, Ava and Dewdrop need to have their head on a swivel because they have made Alexa mad, and it's not pretty. Well, the screen lights up. The Titantron lights up, and... Thank you see Lily on the screen and Alexa's voice and her twisted, wicked little voice is doing the whole evolution, but it's Lily-lution. She's basically making fun of the evolution commercial that came before Eva Marie came, and but she turned it into Lily, and it's absolutely incredible. If you guys have not seen it, go look it up on social media. You will love it. It's classic Alexa Bliss. I love it. Absolutely love it. And it causes the distraction on Eva enough for Tamina to get the win for her and Natalia. After the match is over, we see Tamina roll out. We see, of course, the medical team with Natalia. Natalia can't even stand on her right leg, on her right foot at all. They have to help her out of the ring with Tamina. We're all kind of concerned as to what's going on with Natalia and what happened. Well, I'm going to go ahead, since we're into the subject, Natalia had to have surgery on her right ankle. She's only going to be up for a few weeks, guys, so don't panic. We're not going to lose her. They're not going to have to forfeit the tag titles. But to be safe, because of how she damaged her ankle, they're going to keep her out for a few weeks just to let her rest and relax. And I wish Natalia a speedy recovery so she can come back and defend those titles strong. With Tamina, I really do. I, I, I really love them being tag champs right now, and I'm glad that it's not more serious than what they thought. Well, we have Karrion Cross again. He's back on Monday Night Raw for another week. I'm beginning to wonder what the heck's going on. Are they calling him up? Are they testing the waters? What are they doing? Well, we all know that he lost his match to Jeff Hardy the week before. I was mad about that because they've been making Karrion Cross to be this dominating force in NXT, and then you let him lose to Jeff Hardy. That made no sense to me. It, I know they're trying to, if they are calling him up and they are bringing him to the Monday Night Raw roster or the SmackDown roster, you kind of want to build up some feuds. You kind of want to have feuds there so when that person gets there, they've got somebody to fight. I get it. it, it it's incredible. I, yeah, I, I like it. Of course, we're all wondering who Karrion Cross's opponent's going to be. We're all scratching our head going, okay, who's it going to be? Who are we going to see? And we all know that we had a surprise entrance last week with Bobby Lashley. So we all know that someone returned. And for those of you who are scratching your head, you're about to find out who I'm talking about. For those of you who might have missed it last week, you know, missed my last podcast, y'all might be, ah, that was, I didn't know that. Surprise, surprise. Well, his opponent, NXT champion Kerry Cross's opponent, is none other than the person he took the NXT title off of, Keith Lee. We all remember that fight. We all remember that was a grueling knockout fight. Karrion Cross barely got that title off Keith Lee and then had to turn around the following week and forfeit that title because he had damaged his right shoulder. 
I mean, dislocated it bad. Deja vu of Finn Balor. That's what we all were thinking back then. Deja vu of Finn Balor. But he made a comeback. He's now NXT champion. He's dominating. And now he's on Raw facing a former foe, Keith Lee. It's an incredible, I mean, it's an incredible, incredible match, guys. Absolutely incredible match between these two. Again, but it bugs me. No Scarlet. We have no Scarlet again. Where is Scarlet? She's part of Carrion's whole persona. Without Scarlet, we're all scratching our head going, wait a minute. Where, where, where is she? We're all scratching our head with no Scarlet. This is, the, this is the third week in a row we've gotten no Scarlet. And it's really bugging me that they're going to bring Carrion up, but they're not going to bring her with him. That doesn't I mean, to me, that sounds like they're going to call him up and leave her behind. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Because when she left TNA to come to NXT, she waited because her contract went up before Carrion's did. She waited until Carrion got there to be with Carrion on NXT. It's a package deal. It's the same as Andrade and Zelina being together. Package deal. So why would you leave Scarlett out if you're bringing him up? You, it would make no sense to me. You would want to keep the two of them together because they are, you know, they are together in, you know, in real life. So you would want to keep the two of them together. It would only make sense. But like I said, no Scarlett. But even without her, it was an incredible match. Absolutely incredible match. We got to see basically another rematch from TakeOver where it was him and Keith Lee. And it's an incredible match. Absolutely. If you want to go check it out, go on social media and see it. It's great. It's fantastic. But Karrion Cross wins this one. He beats him with a cross jacket. He literally, Keith Lee, passes out. There's no hope for Keith Lee getting out of this cross jacket. I told you guys, this finisher in particular is a great finisher because unless you're really good and can really get yourself wedged in the right position, cross jacket's got you. You're done for. You are absolutely done for. If he gets, if he gets it really locked in, you're not getting out. And Keith Lee found out the hard way. There's no getting out of the cross jacket. And Keith, I'm very happy that Carrion won because I did not like that he lost to Jeff Hardy my last podcast and that kind of burned me up. So I'm glad that WWE kind of redeemed themselves by letting Carrion win this one. I like it. I think it's great. So then we see T-Bar and Mace. They're coming out to have a match. Tag team match. And guys, their tag team, other tag team getting them, is Mansoor and Ali. I told you. I have been saying this for weeks. That Mansoor and Ali would be a great tag team. They would be perfect. Because their style. You know. They complement each other so well. You know. It, they would just be a really good tag team. They would be a, you know, really good to be in the tag team division. Plus. Mansoor would learn, learn a lot from Ali. And Ali could teach Mansoor. You know, Ali could learn a lot from Mansoor. It's it's kind of like we weren't quite sure how well Seamus and Cesaro would work together. And they were an incredible team. They really were. They were an I mean, amazing tag team. They were thrown together just like Monster and Ali are. And I'm telling you guys, they were amazing. If you've not seen The Bar, go check out The Bar because they're amazing. They absolutely are. And I, like I said, I was excited and hoping that WWE would finally bring it to fruition, Monster and Ali, because I thought these two 
we'll just bring out the best in each other and it would be just a great tag team. But then you put them against Mace and T-Bar and your thoughts start to sink. Because we all know Mace and T-Bar are dominating forces. Even when they were with Retribution with Ali, they were a dominating force. They came in, wrecked, walked out. Now you've got them with their former leader, Ali. So then you know, oh, some sparks are going to fly. This is going to get nasty. It's an incredible match. Absolutely fantastic, over-the-top match. That one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a long time. I mean, at one point, Monsters outside the ring. You see T-Bar getting, getting ready to run. Ali moves him out of the way. These two are complementing each other so well. They're, you know, they're working together even though they were forced together. It's an incredible match. These two just really affirm my belief that they'd be a great tag team. That they, you know, they could go on to face AJ and almost and possibly win those tag titles. They give me that hope. Where there wasn't any hope. And I love it. They're incredible together. They're absolutely amazing. And they give T-Bar and Monsoor a run. I mean, literally give Monsoor and T-Bar. Literally a great. They're fantastic against each other. Mason and Ali. <laughs> they were literally tearing each other apart. But Ali and Monsoor are fantastic. It's a great match. Go look it up. On, it's one I highly recommend you go watch on social media if you've not seen it. Go watch it because it's incredible. It is an incredible match, guys. It really is. But it ends with Monsoor and Ali getting the win. I was happy. I was elated that this team that I thought from the beginning, from weeks ago, would be so good together. That they would get the win. Monsoor gets the pin. That was the most incredible thing. Is Monsoor. Ali got to watch Monsoor get the pin. And the win. It was incredible. Ali was in shock. The crowd was in shock. I was in shock. I thought it was incredible. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, saving each other at the end. Doing everything. But what was so funny is at the very end, Ali's standing there. And Monsoor just hugs him. Ali doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to respond. He's looking like... What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to hug him back? Well, yeah, Ali's absolutely confused. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I see good things with these two. I see another bar on a, uh, in the works. I see another Cesaro and Sheamus in the works. I see it coming. It's just a matter of time before these two... Do the same thing. I mean, they're taking the same trajectory that the bar did. They're taking the same, going the same way. And I see it. It's, it's going to be amazing. It's absolutely going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we all know last week Goldberg showed up and told Bobby Lashley that he's next. Not too thrilled about it. Not too keen on it. I don't like Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley. Of course, Bobby Lashley didn't give an answer. He didn't give a response and in my opinion, I don't blame Bobby. I wouldn't have either because I would I wouldn't have even dignified it with a response. But he's out and he's coming to answer Goldberg's challenge of that he's next. MVP, of course, is with him. And he asks everyone to rise on their feet and give a proper respect to the WWE champ, Bobby Lashley. And he goes, Now, let's address the Goldberg disrespecting Lashley last week. And he says, and basically, you know. I'm not going to dignify his challenge with a response. You know, I'm Lashley's like, I want nothing to do with this. I, I, I'm not even going to say no or yet. I'm just, 
You're not even on my radar. Shoe, go away. Bye-bye. Well, in the middle of it, trying to basically say that, you know, I'm not even going to say yay or nay to this because I think this is a pointless match. It's stupid. I agree with Lashley. There's no point in it. You're just bringing Goldberg here to sell tickets. That's all you're doing. You know I mean? Goldberg doesn't even, he's a part-timer. He doesn't deserve the title. Even if he does, he's going to be like Brock Lesnar. He's going to run off with it. We're not going to see it getting defended like it should. It's the whole John Cena thing on SmackDown right now. You know, I, I, I just don't see these two part-timers. To me, and this is my opinion, and you guys may disagree with this opinion, and if you do, give me a so me you know a shout out on social media and tell me that you do. But in my opinion, and some of you might agree with me, to me, putting John Cena in Roman's trajectory and putting Goldberg in Bobby Lashley's trajectory and putting them both, you possibly in a match for these two titles, is a disrespect to Lashley and is a disrespect to Roman. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Roman and Lashley have been coming out every week. They've been at every pay-per-view. And they've done everything to represent WWE's Raw and SmackDown as champions the proper way. They have brought those titles every week and defended them when they needed to. They have, you know... Put the title, both their titles on the line every single, if not every single week, every single pay-per-view. They've been there. They've represented Raw and SmackDown. And now you're going to bring in two part-timers, part-timers, don't get me wrong, I love Goldberg and I love Cena, but we all know, as true WWE Universe fans, we all know Cena and Goldberg are part-timers. They only show up when Evers ticket sales are not doing all that great. They bring in these two part-timers to basically disrespect Lashley and Reigns. And to me, that's a slap in the face to two people who have carried these two brands through a lot of tough times and standing tall as champions. And have proved that they are both dominating champions. To me, that's a disrespect. But, anywho, that's how I feel. You guys might disagree. You might think Goldberg and John Cena are great. They... I'm not saying that they're not. They're great in-ring performers. Both of them are. In their own way, they are. But, again, they're part-timers. They're only there when ticket sales are tanking so bad that they can't get the crowd to sell out. That's just my opinion on it. I mean, I could be completely and absolutely wrong. But in my eyes, I've watching WWE as long as I've watched it. I know. That they only bring in part-timers whenever something is going wrong and they can't get the sales and the crowds that they want. So they bring them in to do just that. SummerSlam, it, it, it could be something great without Cena and Goldberg. But WWE is so scared because the ticket sales aren't... I mean, the, SummerSlam's not even sold out yet, guys. It's not even sold out yet. That, that's how bad this is really going. It's not selling out. Used to, in a WWE event, tickets would go like that. I mean, they'd go with the snap of a, a drop of a hat. I mean, then we've sold out within minutes, within seconds of them dropping. And they're not. There's still seats available. So they bring in Cena and Goldberg to fill those seats. That's what they're there for. They're fillers. And to me, that's a blatant disrespect to Bobby Lashley and to Roman Reigns. It's a blatant disrespect. Basically, you're saying Roman and Lashley can't sell tickets. That's what you're saying. 
That's exactly what you're saying, is Lashley and Reigns can't sell tickets. And we all know those two can sell tickets. If they're given the proper promotions and they're allowed to shine like they always have, those two could sell out an arena. It's not that hard. Reigns has sold out arenas his entire career. It's not that hard. Bobby Lashley's a dominating champ. He has a lot of fan base. I mean, a lot of people who love him, who adore him, who would love to go to an event and see him as WWE champ. So it's only... It's stupid to say that he can't sell tickets. It's not the superstars as the reason the tickets aren't selling. It's the ticket prices. You want to sell seats. You want to sell out arenas. Drop your ticket prices and that will happen. Otherwise, you're not going to get the crowds you used to get. You're definitely not going to get them in the middle of a pandemic. It's not going to. I mean, there's a lot of people who can't afford WWE tickets. A lot of people who can't. We have to watch it from Peacock in our very own homes. We have to watch it from Fight TV in our very own homes. Because we can't afford to go see a WWE pay-per-view. We can't afford to go to a live event. Drop your ticket prices. Make them reasonable. And I guarantee you, I can almost bet you, you will sell out an arena. I can guarantee it, you will. It's very plausible. I've seen other promotions do it. There's a lot of other promotions that have their ticket sales reasonable for their fans, and they sell out arenas, and they sell them out quick. So I'm just saying, it's all a money game here, guys. It's all about money is what it is. That's my opinion. You guys may disagree, but to me, like I said, bringing Goldberg and Cena into this is a blatant disrespect to Bobby Lashley. Andrew and Roman Reigns, who are the current champ champs. It's a blatant disrespect. It's a smack in the face. It's not fair to them. And it's not fair to other people in the back who would love an opportunity to go at, go at Roman and go at Lashley. It's not fair to them. There are a ton of superstars you got on your roster right now that would love that opportunity, but no, you're going to bring in two part-timers to steal their thunder. That, to me, isn't fair. It's just not fair. It's not fair. Of course, we all saw Finn... Fix that right there. Finn fixed it at SmackDown. He's like, okay. Roman says, no, he's not going to face Cena. Roman's going to face me. That I like. Have another superstar step up to the plate and say, no, 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 no. You're not jumping line. I get it first. Shout out to Finn Balor for standing up and saying, no, 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 Cena. You're not going to come back just to be, you know, champ. No, no, no. You're not jumping ahead. You go to the back of the line, buddy. I've been working a lot harder than you. I've been here every single day. I'm going to jump in and take take your place. This is my spot. This is my time. I'm, I'm taking it. I'm stealing it from you. It's, that's just how it is. And Roman specifically saying, no, I'm not going to face you. Lashley saying, I'm not going to dignify Goldberg's answer with a, you know, Goldberg's challenge with a response. That pretty much is those two, two superstars saying, we've been running this business without you two here. Go by the back of the line. You don't deserve a shot. And I agree with them. You don't. But Cedric Alexander seems to think that maybe he does. And he comes out and blatantly disrespects MVP and Bobby Lashley. How stupid are you? How stupid are you to come out here and disrespect the champ 
and MVP after they whooped your butt and kicked you out of the hurt business? Have you lost your mind? Have you hit your head? Did you stumble and trip somewhere and lost your memory of what happened? But he basically tells them, you, you disrespected me for kicking me out of the hurt business. He says, so I want to challenge Bobby Lashley. Well, Sheldon Benjamin seems to think that's no, 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 no. That's not going to fly. You know, they didn't just disrespect you. They disrespected me. So he comes out and like, no, 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 no. I want to challenge him, Cedric. I want a shot to prove that I deserve to be in a hurt business and that you don't. <laughs> Bobby Lashley doesn't care. He was both of them. The champ that he is, the proven champ that he is, steps up and goes, I'll take them both on. Both of them. One two on one handicap match. I'm not scared. I can I can handle both of them. So we get a two on one handicap match. Bobby Lashley versus Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. It's an incredible match. It really, really is. But like I said, Bobby is a dominating champion. He is a fighting champion. He does not take challengers lightly. Anybody, it doesn't matter who it is, he doesn't take challengers lightly. He doesn't walk into that match thinking, oh, I can beat them. No, he goes in there and proves he can. Just like every time Roman goes into a match, he does not take care and take people lightly. He takes all challengers, and he proves that he can beat them. That's what makes them both good champions. That's what makes them both dominating champions, because they go in there and they prove that they deserve to have this title every single night. And it's a great match. It really is. It's an incredible match. Not giving any disrespect to Sheldon Benjamin or Cedric Alexander, because they really had a tough, tough going when it comes to Bobby Lashley. And they really, really, really did showcase what they could do. But, in the same token, in my opinion, it was a hopeless match to begin with. They weren't going to win. There was no way. They just were reaching and grabbing for straws that weren't there. And Bobby Lashley beats them. But Bobby Lashley beats him in an interesting fashion. He uses or sends a message to Goldberg by using Goldberg's finisher, the jackhammer, and finishes him that way. That was Absolutely fantastic. I loved it. I thought it was an incredible way to tell Goldberg, don't come at me. Don't challenge me. Don't be stupid. Because I'll whoop you. I'll whoop you. I will whoop you. I can do the same moves you can do, but I can do them better. I'm working my butt off every day, coming in here every week and standing tall and representing the, you know, Raw with this championship. And you're going to come in here and blatantly disrespect me? Well, I'm going to show you what I can do. Don't come at me, bro. Don't come at me. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible to see him do the jackhammer. I didn't know Bobby Lashley had it in him. He just impresses me every week. He absolutely impresses me every week. He has come so far from since when he started. He has come so far. And I've got to give props out to MVP because MVP has really worked hard. And Bobby's been really, you know, really you know, learning a lot from MVP. And i got to give him props where props do. He, Lashley's absolutely phenomenal right now. And I love him. He's on fire. He's incredible. I love it. I absolutely love it. He really do, does deserve to be WWE champ. I think he deserves to be WWE champ all the way to WrestleMania of next year. Heck, he could be the longest reigning WWE world champ for all I care. Because to me, he deserves it. He deserves all the accolades he's receiving right now. He deserves it because he works for it every single day. He goes out there... Doesn't talk, doesn't run his mouth, doesn't claim that he can do it. He goes up there and proves it every night. Every night he proves it, no matter what. When the chips are down, Bobby Lashley proves why he's champ. That, to me, speaks volumes. It speaks volumes.
But apparently Miz and Morrison, they're getting ready for a match. And, they, you know, they're all excited about this match. And, of course, it is Morrison versus Riddle. And they're getting all ready for it. When all of a sudden, AJ and Almost walk up. And, you know, they come up and they start talking to AJ and Almost. And you're thinking, what is going on here? Why is Miz and Morrison, you know, conversing with AJ and Almost? What is up here? And we really don't know what they're talking about. We have no idea because almost steps in the middle in front of us and we can't see what's being discussed. And there's a lot of whispering between them and you're thinking, okay, why? What is going on here between AJ, almost Morrison and Miz? Whoa, what, what, what are these four scheming? What are they planning? And it cuts into Morrison with Miz versus Riddle. Now, we all know we've not seen Randy Orton. We... We, as wrestling fans, don't know what's going on with Randy. And as a podcaster and as a fan of WWE, I just really wish and hope that Randy is okay and that he's safe and that, you know, he's well and that he's in good health and in good spirits because I miss the Viper. I do. I miss seeing Randy and I wish him, you know, to return soon so that we can see him because, you know, he's one of my favorite people to watch. On Raw, because you never know what he's going to do. He's so unpredictable. And I'm really looking forward to his return. And I'm just hoping that he's okay. And that his family's okay. And that everybody's in good health. And that everything's alright. And that we'll see him soon. I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. And I'm pretty sure everybody out there in the WWE Universe is wishing the same thing. We wish the best for Randy. We really do. You know, we really, really do. But back to this match. This is a great match between Miz or between Morrison and Riddle. It really is. But midway through it, AJ and Almost come out. And they're standing on the side watching this match. Very intentively. And you're like, okay, okay. They're just there, you know, picking their spot as to who they're going to fight next, you know. But then you start thinking, like, they had a meeting with Miz and Morrison prior to this. What are they up to? Midway through the match, and Riddle's giving Miz Morrison a run for his money. Poor Miz gets knocked on his back again, looking like a little turtle. It's absolutely hilarious. I love this whole thing that they're doing with Miz. I do. I love it. It's absolutely hilarious. But he managed to get himself back up. Of course, his drip sticks are out, but he managed to get himself back up. And this whole drip stick thing, I'm just not getting into. And him calling Morrison the most moist in the world? That sounds so wrong on so many levels. And... And America's moist wanted. That to me sounds so wrong on so many levels. I just can't get. Can't, I just can't get into it. And I can't get past it. I like Johnny Drip Drip. I have no problem with that. I absolutely love that. I think that's absolutely cute. It's absolutely clever. But the rest of it, no. I just can't get into it. But like I said, AJ and Almost are out there. And they pick up. AJ does. We all know Riddle comes out with a scooter every time he comes out. He comes riding out on that scooter. There's always a scooter with him. He's always got one. And AJ sees it and picks it up and walks over to the ring with it. And Riddle's trying to talk AJ into putting it down. Riddle's trying really hard to get AJ to put it down. And basically he's causing a distraction that Riddle apparently did not learn from Randy Ignore distractions because they set you off. They don't make you're not focused. You're focused on what's going on outside the ring and not what's going on behind you. Always have your head on a swivel when you're in a ring. I mean, apparently he didn't learn that from Randy because he's actually distracted. And Jay hands the scooter over to Almas. 
almost takes that scooter, and guys, this guy has got some power, and breaks that scooter in half. Snap like a twig, and it goes apart. Riddle's upset, and again, like I said, he didn't listen to what Randy taught him. Always have your head on a swivel. Pay attention to your complete surroundings. He gets pinned by Morrison, and Morrison wins the match, defeating Matt Riddle. After the match, AJ comes into the ring, and so does Amos. And you're thinking, oh, now we see what they were doing. They were conspiring with Morrison to attack Riddle. That's what they were doing. We've done figured it out, and they do. They literally destroy Riddle. The whole time you hear in the crowd chant for Randy Orton, no Randy Orton in sight. No Randy Orton to be seen. Nope. Nope, Randy's not there. Randy is not there. We all know, and for those of you who don't, I'm going to give you a little uh, update here. We've all been wondering what's been going on, and like I said, we hope that Randy's okay. We hope that his family's okay. We hope that everything's all right, and we wish him to return soon. It was announced by WWE that Randy is on what they call the disabled non-competing list. We don't exactly know the details of why he was put on that list or why he's not there. We hope that everything is okay. We hope that he, you know, his kids are okay. We hope that his wife is okay. We hope that every, he's okay. We hope that everything's okay. We don't exactly know when Randy will be returning. We just know that he was put on that list. It's not a good sign when you put someone on that list. We all know Randy's been having issues with that right shoulder. And I would like to think that finally he took heed to what Triple H and all of them were telling him and go get that shoulder, have surgery on it to repair the damage that's been there for a while. I would like to think that that's what Randy did. I would like to think that there's not something else going on that we just don't know about and that WWE doesn't want to talk about, which I respect wrestling. I respect every wrestler's privacy. They're entitled to their privacy. They are. They're absolutely entitled to it. Anybody is entitled to privacy. That's why I said, I'm hoping that Randy Orton and everyone is okay. And that we will see him soon. But like I said, he didn't show up. We know he's on the disabled inactive list. So we don't know what's going on. We just hope that he's alright. But of course, like I said, AJ and them targeted Riddle. So we don't know exactly if they're building up. Randy's about to make his return. And they're building this up to, you know, RK Bro going after the tag titles. I don't know. But it seems like that's what the build-up's going to. They're expecting Randy to return. So they're doing the build-up. So when Randy does get back, they can go, RK Bro can go after the title. That's what I would like to hope. That's what they're doing. They're building it up. I mean, that to me, as a wrestling fan, that's what I perceive it as. Well, then we get a match. Well, we all know Reginald has the 24-7 championship. And we all know that that championship can be defended anytime, anywhere, any place. I mean, it can be defended in your living room while you're watching TV. It can be defended at the grocery store. It can be defended anywhere. But the weird thing is, is with Reginald, they've been having him defeat, defend it in the ring. That, to me, they've never done. They didn't do it with R-Truth. They've not done it with Akira Tozawa. They've not done it with Drew Gulak. It didn't make any sense why Reginald is different. But, of course, we get Reginald for the 24-7 championship against R-Truth. We all know R-Truth wants his baby back. And I would love to see R-Truth get it back. I really would. This match... It really showcases what Reginald can do, but to me, it wasn't fair to R-Truth. It kind of bugged me a little bit that they did the way that they did this match. R-Truth did not 
get his baby back. Reginald retained. Interesting match. Well, I'm not going to deny that it was an interesting match. It was, it was a very interesting match. But to me, it seems like a certain president of the company, and I'm not talking about Vince McMahon, might be a little high on Reginald right now because Reginald's PG. And we'll go into what, I, we'll go into what I'm discussing or what I'm trying to get to here in a little bit. But to me, I don't think it was fair to our truth. And I don't fair, I think it was fair to anybody else that tries to go after that title because they're just so focused on Reginald right now that they're not paying attention to the other superstars that are trying to get that title. They're just not. They're just not. It's, to me, it bugs me. So then we move on to the main event. Championship contenders match. Charlotte Flair versus Nikki Ash. If Charlotte Flair wins, she gets a shot, of course, at the title at SummerSlam. Now, my understanding from that is, is if Charlotte doesn't win, she could be pulled out of that triple threat match. Basically, it's Sonya Deville and Adam Pierce's way. I could be completely wrong, but to me, it seemed like it was Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville's way of saying, Charlotte, you want to be in this triple threat match with Rhea and Nikki? You got to prove tonight that you belong there. You need to stop throwing a fit, stop being a spoiled little brat, and prove that you belong in this match. Otherwise, you don't need to be there. Get out. We'll make it a regular match between Rhea and Nikki because Rhea and Nikki have already proved that they deserve to be in this match. You need to prove you do. This is a crazy match. It's an absolutely crazy match. I mean, the whole time, all of us are rooting for Nikki, you know, for Nikki Ash. We're all rooting for her because we all, you know, we're happy she's champion right now. She's a great role model and a great person to have that title right now because she's not self-centered. She's not focused on me, 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 me. She's focused on the entire WWE Universe. And to me, that's what makes a good champ. It's not about how good you are. It's how much feedback you get from the crowd. And that crowd influences you into being better. And to me, Nikki is in the perfect spot. She is the perfect person for this title right now. Because it isn't all about her. It's about the universe as a whole. And that, to me, speaks volumes. It's a great match, guys. Go watch it. It Absolutely. Go on your social media and look it up. It's an incredible match. Absolutely fantastic match. And Nikki gives it all she's got. She really does. And I got to give Nikki props where credit is due. Because it's not easy to fight Charlotte Flair. It's not easy to... You know, be in a match for Charlotte Flair because she's a, she's just like her daddy. She's the dirtiest player in the book. She learned everything from her father, so we know what she's capable of. Not not an easy person to fight, but Nikki does give it her all, and I gotta give her props. Give you know, give her a pat on the back because she really does well. She really showcases that she can keep up with Charlotte, but Charlotte does win that match. Charlotte proves without a shadow of a doubt that she deserves to be in that triple threat match. With Nikki and Rhea. She proves it. Then she starts making fun of Nikki. That really got on my nerves. That hit a part of me that I just couldn't exactly shake. And it made me mad that she would sit there and make fun of Nikki like she did. And blatantly disrespect her like she did. But she did. Nikki's upset because Nikki tried really hard. And Nikki really did. I have to give props where props is due for Nikki. She really did. She really tried real hard. And... Of course, she's being Charlotte. 
not a you know you expect it. But of course, Kevin Patrick comes in and starts talking to Nikki. Well, Charlotte steals the mic as usual. The little spoiled brat has to have the spotlight taken away from someone else, and. Starts running her mouth, and then, again, well, this time, Nikki's had enough and goes right back at her. She's had enough. And Nikki tells her, look, I've had enough of you disrespecting me. I've had enough of you blatantly stealing my spotlight. I've had enough of your spoiled brightness and thinking you're and your entitlement to everything. I challenge you to another rematch next week. What'd he say? Charlotte goes, okay, sure. I'll give you a rematch. And Nikki holds her hand out. Shake on it. Yeah, that's a written co binding contract. When you shake, it's a binding contract. You're ready. Charlotte reaches over, shakes her hand, and then takes Nikki out. Literally takes her out. No real Ripley in sight. And you're literally thinking. Now, that was just absolutely uncalled for, Charlotte. Uncalled for. And I'm right. It was. It was very uncalled for. So it's going to be interesting to see next week what Nikki can do to outsmart the dirtiest player in the book. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. So now we move on to Friday Night Smackdown for 7.30. Friday Night Smackdown opens again with John Cena. No surprise. And he's upset because... Roman won't accept his challenge. He's so upset about it. Can't stand it. Can't stand that he, you know, he's doing this. And, you know, basically, you know, he's like, for two decades, I've been doing this. For two decades, I have been making people look good. I've been beating people. I've been proving. Really, John, have you been defending the title every night? Have you been on SmackDown every night standing up and proving that you're a champion? No, Roman has. Roman's been there every night. Finn Balor's been there every night. Hey, Kevin Owens has been there every night. Seth Rollins, Edge. They've all been there. You've been off making movies and playing Mr. Hollywood. So I agree with Roman. No, you don't deserve a title shot at this. You don't deserve a universal title shot because you haven't proven that you, could, that you deserve it. All you've done is come in and run your mouth and make claims that aren't true. And, you know, he basically keeps going on and, you know, everything about how, you know, how Roman, you know, is you know, an egomaniac and how Ro Roman's not an egomaniac. Roman is a fighting champion who goes in there every week and defends that title. Whether he's at 100% or not, Roman gets in there. And defends that title. Whether he thinks he's got the match won. Whether he thinks he can beat that opponent or not. He goes in and gives it 110%. Don't believe me John Cena? Go back and watch Money in the Bank. Because him and Edge tore the freaking house down. Roman gave it everything he had. Put everything on the line against Edge. And still came out on top. Granted he had Seth's help. But Roman still did what Roman said he was going to do. He never lied about it. Nor did he sugarcoat it. That's what makes a champion. You go in there every night. You whether you're at 100% or not. You give it everything you've got. You defend that title like you're supposed to. And not stand there and whine like a little bitch. Just because you can't. That's the difference. And pardon my language, guys. I apologize, but that's how I feel about it. 
and he keeps playing it off like, you know, it's it's nothing. Trying to be, you know, cute. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's absolutely hilarious to watch this. I mean, it really is. It's absolutely hilarious. And John Cena's just like, okay. It's like, my wife is gone. She took the kids. Can you help me? And the crowd keeps chanting yes to help him. And he pulls them out some money and gives it to him. And he goes, come on. You do movies. You're a big, big-time movie star. Are you telling me you can't help me? Is this all you can give me is a lousy 40 bucks? Are you kidding me? Blatantly disrespecting John Cena. Thinking, okay, I like where this is going. Could we have John Cena versus Baron Corbin? Now, that I could be on board for. That would be a really good match. I like it. And, you know, <clears throat> he says, I'll be your stunt double. I'll do whatever. Come on, help me out here, man. Come on. You know, you're going to kick a poor man when he's down? You know, you're going to disrespect me like that? John tells him, look, I'll give you something. An attitude adjustment. Does it? And walks out like a boss. Like I told you guys, I can see. I can get on board John Cena versus Baron Corbin. This I like. This I could get on board. This would be fun. I would like it. I would be absolutely on board with this fight. Not Roman Reigns versus John Cena. Baron Corbin versus John Cena. That would be a good fight. I really think it would be. Ray's in the back and he's getting prepared for Jimmy Uso's match. And he Dominic comes up and tells him, look, I've got your back tonight. And he goes, he goes look, just Ray tells him, just watch me. Stay out of the match. Don't get involved. Watch me. Let me show you how this is done. Let me basically school you in the art of dealing with the Usos. Dominic agrees, which leads to Rey Mysterio versus Jimmy Uso. It's a great match, guys. That's all I'm going to say about this match is it's an incredible match. You need to go check it out on social media. It's a great match. It ends, of course, with Rey Mysterio winning. But the way Rey Mysterio wins is absolutely awesome. You remember how the Usos won the tag titles? Jay Uso held, slid into the ring and had his feet up against Jimmy Uso's back, pushing him just enough leverage over to get them the tag titles. Well, Dominic Mysterio is like, turnabout's fair play and all is fair in love and war. Dominic does the same thing and helps his father get the win. The Usos are mad. Oh, they're mad because he just used something that they used. Absolutely incredible. I loved it. Well, Bianca Belair comes to the ring. And she's here to celebrate, you know, her 100 days of being a champion. And she looks absolutely incredible. Guys, go check this out. She looks incredible. Kayla's in the ring with her. And she's asking her, you know, how do you see your next 100 days playing out? And she says her being champion. She loves being champion. She loves being role model for little boys and little girls. And she absolutely loves it. And she's excited. And, of course, out comes Carmella. Here we go again with the Carmella thing, guys. Can we please skip Carmella? She's had enough chances of these titles. Let's move on. Let's find someone else that is a more proper replacement for Bailey. I mean, come on, guys. We're sick of the Carmella story. And she basically tells her, I want another chance at the title. Really, Carmella? How many more chances do you get? You're not Charlotte Flair. You're not going to whine and weasel your way into a title shot. And I don't think anybody want to see Bianca Belair versus Carmilla again at SummerSlam. I just don't see that being a successful match for you. Well, she she kind of next comes out Zelina Vega. Now we're talking. Now we're cooking. Someone new, someone fresh. I like it. As Zelina comes in and tells her, "Look, you know, 
Why don't you give me a chance? Why don't you let me have a shot at that title? I'm on board. I like us. You know, I would like to see Zelina Vega versus Bianca Belair. This would be a great match for SummerSlam. I like it. I like it better than Carmella. It's someone new. It's someone we've not seen. You know, go. You know, fight Bianca Belair. Should be a great match. Of course, Bianca accepts Zelina's challenge. But before anything else can happen, the two girls turn on Bianca and start beating the daylights out of her. Bianca has no one there to help her. No one to come out and save her. She, I mean, she's literally getting, you know, beat down by these two girls when all of a sudden, a savior from the light comes, comes running out to the ring to save Bianca Belair. And you're never going to guess who it is. It's none other than the boss herself, Sasha Banks. She's back, guys. She's back in SmackDown, and I'm so happy to see her. And she clears that ring. She gets Zelina and Carmella out so fast, those girls don't even know what hit them. And her and Bianca hug. I mean, actually hug. It almost made me cry, because I'm thinking back to when those two girls were standing in WrestleMania across from each other, and they both were in tears listening to the crowd, feeling the, you know, the feeling, and all of a sudden Sasha just looks at her and says, let's do this. Let's make history. And they did. It was incredible. So to see these two girls hug, it just, it was moving. It was amazing, and they're celebrating in the ring, and I'm like, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. It's a perfect way to end their feud at WrestleMania by doing it this way. It's absolutely incredible, and I loved it. Of course, again, Reginald gets to defend his title. 24-7 championship inside a ring again. Oh my god, how many times does this man have to defend a title? This is getting ridiculous. And his opponent, he doesn't even know who it is. It turns out to be Chad Gable with Otis. Really? Chad Gable? Are you freaking kidding me? Have we ran out of people to use to fight fight for the 24-7 championship? Have we stooped this low that we're going to go with Chad Gable? Really? It ain't even a match. It's not even a match. I'm going to tell you that right now. It is not a match because, truthfully and honestly, it's a DQ. Otis interferes. We knew he was going to. Reginald retains his title. Who didn't see that happen? Chad Gable stood no chance. We knew it. You don't even know why you went with this. It was absolutely stupid. Well, Pearson and DeVille are talking about Finn and Roman's contract signing. Because we all know Finn laid out a challenge for Roman last week on SmackDown. And Roman accepted. So now we know that it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor for the Universal title. And it's going to be at SummerSlam. I like this. I absolutely like that Finn stood up to John Cena and said, basically, get to the back of the line. I'm here. I'm next. I like it. And they're talking. We're in the middle of that talk for that contract signing. DeVille announces that the main event for tonight's SmackDown will be Carmilla and Zelina Vega versus Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. I like it. I absolutely like it. Again, WWE, you're allowing my girls. You're giving my girls an opportunity to main event, and I like that. I love that you're doing this with the women's division because they deserve it. They absolutely deserve to shine just like the men. It's only fair. Well, we get to the contract signing. Pierce and Sonya Deville are out, and they're getting everything ready for Roman and Finn to sign their contracts for the SummerSlam. First one to come out, Finn 
Bala the Prince. I'm happy to see him. I'm glad he's back. I'm excited. And the opportunity to get to face Roman. Oh, yes, I'm on board. Let's do this. Sign me up. Well, next comes out, of course, it takes a few minutes, but Roman, we all know it's on Roman's time. It's whenever Roman wants to come out, he comes out. And he walks into the ring, and he sits down, and they're both sitting there waiting to sign the contract to make it official for the two of them to sign. You'll fight each other at WrestleMania, or yeah, SummerSlam for the Universal title. And I like it. I absolutely like it. Thank you guys for finally doing something right for a change. And... He calls, you know, John Cena, again, Mr. Missionary. I'm loving this. I don't know where Roman's coming up with this, but I love it. I absolutely love it. He cracks me up. I love it. And he says, John says, by accepting this challenge, and I'm ducking him. He thinks that Finn isn't, isn't worthy for this title. But me? I think Finn is. I think Finn is worthy to defend or to fight with me at SummerSlam for this Universal title. I think he's earned the shot. I think he's golden. I think he's great. I think Finn deserves it. If anybody deserves it, it's Finn Balor. But he also deserves the beatdown I'm going to give him. Classic uh, Roman Reigns. We knew he was going to throw that little heel side. You know, Put that heel turn into it. We knew it. You know, he digs it. He challenged him. He loves it. He says, but if you sign this, I'm going to smash you. And I'm going to send you back to NXT broken. You're not, you're not going to survive this at all. Finn then turns around and tells him, you think, you, you think pretty highly of yourself, don't you? Said, I'd be happy to go back to NXT Universal Champion. And gets ready to sign the contract. Roman's already signed it. Out of nowhere, unexpectedly, here comes Baron Corbin. I'm like, what? I'm sitting here puzzled, befuddled. Why is Corbin coming out? And Corbin comes out and takes Finn Balor out of the ring. The whole time, Roman doesn't move. He sits there and watches this all go down. And we all know Finn going to get back up. Finn going to beat Baron Corbin's butt. Takes him out of the ring and grabs the contract. Remember, Roman's looking at Baron Corbin like, really? You? Nah, I got you. I'll stack you. I'll smash you. And I'll walk away. But then out of the blue, right as Baron Corbin's about to sign it, comes the dang part-time movie star, John Cena. And literally takes Corbin out. Picks up the contract that's supposed to be Balor's contract. has Balor's name on it. Takes a magic marker, a sharpie, and signs his name to the contract. Roman's in shock. Paul Heyman's in shock. Pierce and DeVille, they're confused. Michael Cole and Pat McAfee, confused. The crowd is confused. We're all in shock. What the hell just happened? What in the heck do we just see? Does this mean that Cena's going to face Roman for the title instead of Finn? Are you kidding me? You've got to be choking me. This is not fair. No, 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 no. You can't do that. You're stealing someone else's spotlight. And that to me is not right, nor is that fair to Roman or Finn. That's a blatant disrespect to Finn Balor. Really? Really, WWE? You're going to go, okay, this? You're going to think it's all right? Absolutely confused. Don't know what's going on. But Pierce and Sonya are about to clear it up. After this happens, Sonya and Pierce are walking to the back with this contract and everything that transpired. 
Paul Heyman comes up because Paul Heyman is Roman special counsel and comes up and tells them, now look guys, you can't, you know, you can't let this happen. You can't let this go on. It's supposed to be Roman versus Finn. You, this, this, you, you can't do this. this. This isn't legal. I mean, Roman's name is on the contract and Finn's name's on the contract. If that was the case, anybody could come up and sign their name to a contract sealing someone's shot. That to me, you, know, you you can't let this happen. You are, you know, the you know the executive directors. You're in charge of these of this company. You know, you're supposed to make the decision. You can't let this happen. And Sonya Deville and them turn around and say, "Well, Pierce goes. I see Roman's name on this contract, and I see Cena's name on this contract. So I'm informing you right now, it's a binding contract. So at SummerSlam, you're going to see." Roman Reigns versus John Cena for the Universal title. Really, WWE? Really? You're going to blatantly disrespect Finn Balor that way? Why do you think he went back to NXT the first time? Because you blatantly disrespected him. You underutilized him. you got to be kidding me that you're going to let this stand. That we're going to see a match that we don't want to see at SummerSlam. You've got to be freaking kidding me. It's stupid. It's pointless. You're kidding me. Apparently not. Apparently not. We're going to get John Cena versus Roman. Woohoo! And I know some of you are probably like, Oh, I'm excited about that match. Me as a wrestling fan, not so much. Because I think they blatantly disrespected Finn. They absolutely and utterly disrespected Finn Balor. Absolutely. And I don't like it. Not at all. Well, then we get Cesaro, Big E, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, and Apollo Crews. This is an incredible six-man tag team match. It really is. It's absolutely incredible. Fantastic match. Loved it. It ends, of course, with Cesaro, Big E, and Shinsuke Nakamura getting the win. Shinsuke is the one who pins Dolph Ziggler. It's an incredible match. It's great. Go back and watch it on social media. You'll love it. Well, then here comes Edge. We all love Edge. We've all, I've been excited since Edge's return. I've been ecstatic. I couldn't wait. I'm happy. We all know what happened at Money in the Bank, so we can only imagine what this, we know what this is probably going to be about. He comes out, gets the crowd all hyped up, and he's excited, and, you know, he, you know, He's on his way down to the ring, and you know, he's just super, super excited about it, and out of nowhere comes Seth Rollins. We were not expecting Seth at all. And he literally attacks Edge. I mean, literally just attacks him out of the blue. I mean, just boom, all over Edge. To the point that he, at one point, he grabs an actual WWE camera off of a cameraman and hits Edge with that camera. You're absolutely in shock. You're like, whoa, 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 what? Huh? And after that, he walks down to the ring and Seth goes, look, I'm sick of Edge. I'm a revolutionary. He shows the video of what, you know, why he wanted that title shot, why he deserved it, blah, 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 and how they didn't give it to him and how mad he is. You know, he's proud of what he did at Money in the Bank. And if he can't be Universal Champion, then neither can Edge. As long as he's not given the Universal title shot, he's not going to let Edge have it either. And I am absolutely and utterly in shock. I just... Didn't see that one coming. It, it blindsided me. I didn't see it coming. 
Interesting to see how this is going to go down between Seth Rollins and Edge, and if we're going to see an actual huge feud between now and SummerSlam. It's going to be interesting to see. So then we move on to the main event. Carmilla and Zelina Vega versus Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Guys, amazing, absolutely phenomenal main event. I loved it. The fact that the women got to main event makes me even happier. Strong showing of four great talents in the women's division. Absolutely incredible match. Incredible. No words can describe how good this match is. You need to go look it up on social media because it's amazing. It does end with Bianca Belair and Sasha getting the win. I was so happy for them. I was so proud to see those two girls standing tall at the end of the match. Basically, Banks made a statement to Carmella. She literally made a statement to Carmella, and she literally made a statement to Selena Vega. Don't mess with the champ. Don't step on her toes. Don't step into this ring and make a claim of something without getting your butt whooped. She pretty much made that statement. But then what she did next was absolutely classic Sasha Banks. They're celebrating in the ring, and Sasha turns around and makes a statement to Bianca Belair. She takes her out with a bank statement and has her locked in it and doesn't let go. I knew this was going to happen. When Sasha left, I always said she had a contractional rematch. She could have used it at any time she wanted to. And now she's laying claim to it. She wants her SmackDown Women's Championship back. And she does not care how bad she has to hurt Bianca Belair to get it. She wants it. She deserves it. I absolutely believe it wholeheartedly. It's it's absolutely just, I mean, it's Sasha. It's what we expect from Sasha Banks. It's absolutely incredible. You will have to go check this out. It's incredible, guys. Absolutely incredible. Now, I promised you guys. I told you guys it was going to be a double feature. So, well, we're going to move on as quickly as we can through Monday Night Raw for 8-2. So, bear with me. Follow along. And hopefully, I answer all your questions. If not, give me a shout on social media. And I'll do my best to respond in case you missed something. Monday Night Raw starts with Bobby Lash and MVP. They're in the ring dissing Goldberg left and right. I told you guys I knew this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. It was a matter of time before it was going to happen. Fans are literally chanting. I mean chanting against Bobby Lashley. All over the place. You can hear it all over the place. All of a sudden, Goldberg comes out. He's heard enough. He's tired of being disrespected. He comes out. And basically, he calls out Bobby Lashley. Again, he tells Bobby Lashley, look, I, I want a shot. <clears throat> he tells him, look, I do. I, I do. If anybody should be worried about losing something, it's you. He says, look, are you afraid? Are you afraid I'm going to take you out? Or are you afraid I'm going to whoop you? Now, I'm in the middle of this. In the middle of this. And I'm going to explain here in a second why this is so significant. For those of you, right now I'm going to explain it, and then I'm going to tell you what happened in the middle of this. For those of you who missed it, who may have not been connected to social media quite yet, and know, not know what is going on, 
We all know that WWE has been letting go of talent due to budget cuts. According to them, it's due to budget cuts. In my opinion, it has nothing to do with budget cuts. It has to do with the new president, Nick Khan. That's who it has a pro who has a problem. He can't seem to get his ducks in a row, and he doesn't like the fact of who is in WWE. We all know he's released Aleister Black, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Braun Strowman. He's released a lot of big superstars. A lot. But the release he did this week was an absolute blatant disrespect to a 12-year veteran who deserved, who is the number one selling, mind you, number one selling superstar in WWE shop right now. He is the top of his game. He is the favorite of the WWE universe, and Nick Khan just blatantly disrespected a 12-year veteran. For those of you who don't know who I'm talking about, for those of you who are scratching your head going, what's going on? What is she talking about? This was the hugest, biggest loss, and I'm going to tell you right now, WWE doesn't realize what they've done. They have no idea the pot they just stirred. They have no idea the trap door they just opened. They have no clue. Nick Khan, don't go blaming Vince McMahon, guys, because Vince McMahon has nothing to do with this. The board of directors and the president of the company that was appointed by the board of directors has the say-so. Vince has very little say. I mean, he does have say, but very little when it comes to the talent. He has very little say, and everyone lately has been blaming Vince McMahon for the loss of Aleister Black, Braun Strowman, you know, all these people. They had a big issue with it. They've been blaming Vince McMahon, and you got to take it back to the fact that Vince McMahon, yes, he is the owner, but he has a board of directors, and he has a president that he has to work with in order to get a say. The board of directors control the whole company. They are the foundation, the backbone of the company. Nothing goes through without the board of directors saying so. The president of the company has the final say. There is nothing that Vince, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, none of them can do to override the board of directors or the president of the company, which happens to be, as Tony Khan calls him, the con man, Nick Khan. Again, a 12-year veteran was released, and it was the biggest shocking release in WWE history. And for those of you who want to know, it is none other than 12-year veteran Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend. You heard me correctly. WWE Podcasting Universe. Bray Wyatt has been released from WWE. Absolutely shocking. Literally shocking. My No words can describe how upset and angry I am with WWE right now. I'm not mad at Vince. I'm not mad at Stephanie. I'm not mad at Shane. And I'm not mad at Hunter. My fingers are pointed directly at the director of talent and the president himself, Nick Khan. Because these two are the reason that Bray Wyatt is no longer in WWE. They are the reason. A blatant disrespect to a 12-year veteran who is a natural talent. Who has the number one seller. If you go to WWE and look up the number one seller in WWE shop, it's Bray Wyatt. It is Bray Wyatt. How stupid are you? You don't realize the trap door you just opened.
You've created a sinkhole that is going to sink you so far you don't see it coming. You're going to drop to the bottom because now that you've let such a good talent go, like Bray Wyatt, ROH right now, New Japan right now, NWA, MML, CMC, Impact, and AEW all stand there going, Thank you, WWE. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because now they're sitting back going, Come to mama. Come on, Bray. Come over here. Come over here. We're going to destroy WWE together. That's a bad thing to do when you let a talent like that go. Because all these seven companies that are united by their forbidden door are all going to be biding for that opportunity to get him. Now, the reason why I mention this is because in the middle of this follow with Bobby Lashley, the fans in front of Goldberg and Lashley all start chanting for Wyatt. They're all chanting for Bray Wyatt in unison. It is so loud and so noticeable. Go back and watch it. Go on your social media and watch it. You will spot it. You will hear it. It is so noticeable that WWE cuts their mics. They shut them off. Why would you do that, WWE? If you're claiming that you're going to give the fans what they want, then wouldn't you think you'd give them Bray Wyatt because that's what they want? Don't you think that would be, you know... To me, I would love to have seen The Fiend versus Bobby Lashley. That would have been an incredible fight. Absolutely incredible fight. But you blatantly disrespected him, and you released him after 12 years. That, to me, is just an absolute disrespect. But back to this. MVP, he disrespects Goldberg. Not only does he disrespect Goldberg, but he disrespects Goldberg's son, Gage, who happens to be sitting at ringside to watch his father. MVP gets out there, and he literally, I mean, there's some things you can do, but there's some things you don't need to do. And you picking on a wrestler's kid is one of those things. It's one of those things you don't do. Bobby Lashley was not involved in it at all. Lashley was standing in the ring doing his own thing. You know, reacting to the crowd, trying to get the crowd pepped up. You know, he was doing what Bobby Lashley should do. MVP comes out and gets engaged's face. That's a disrespect. That to me is a bit a step too far going after someone else's kid. I mean, it's, I mean he's a teenager. You, you, you know, what the heck are you thinking? But of course, MVP does it. And what do you think is going to happen when you go after someone's kid? Bobby Lashley doesn't even see it coming. Goldberg shows up and spears MVP. Lashley's standing up in the ring and there's nothing he can do about it. He has to watch it. Has to watch it. There's nothing he can do. He just has to watch it. Absolutely interesting. But I had to bring the whole thing up with Bray Wyatt because I know some of you guys, I know a lot of you are fans of Bray Wyatt. I am. I'm a huge fan of Bray Wyatt. And to see them do what they did this week is a blatant disrespect of a 12-year veteran. It's a blatant disrespect of a phenomenal talent. Someone who is so creative and had me reinvents himself not once, not twice, but three times. It's, it's, it's a blatant disrespect. I mean, it is. It, it really is. It's a blatant disrespect to him. And I wish him the best. I really do. I hope that he does not go back to WWE because they are trying to get him back. They've realized they've made a mistake. I'm hoping that he does like Aleister Black and he says no. And I hope that he finds... You know, that he, in my heart, and I know some of you are going to say, oh, no, 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 no. I hope that he finds his way to AEW because I think in all elite wrestling, he's going to shine. He's going to have the opportunity to pick up where his best friend left off 
And it's going to be incredible. It's going to be absolutely. And after the, after he was let go, AEW superstars were already responding. Evil Uno was one of the first ones to say, come, come join the Dark Order. Evil Uno was the first one to say anything. That, to me, speaks volumes that AEW and these other companies pay attention to what WWE is doing. They pay attention. But as far as what happened with Bray Wyatt, WWE lost my respect. They had my respect until they released someone with such a good talent. They've lost my respect. Is it saying I'm going to stop watching them? No. But I will not have the respect I had for them prior to this. I just won't. There's just no words to describe when you lose someone that you, you enjoy watching. There's no words to describe it. It's very hard to describe it. And to me, it concerns me because you worry about what's going to happen with Roman. You worry about what's going to happen with Seth. Truthfully and honestly, guys, no one is safe right now. No one in the WWE, regardless of what they have, is safe. They're just not. And it's scary to think that we live in that kind of world where you go in with no job security when before you had it. Just shows what kind of person Nick Khan really is. Just like Tony Khan said, a con man. That's pretty much what he is. He's sinking WWE and there's nothing that Vince or any of his children can do to stop Nick Khan and the board of directors. There's nothing they can do. Their, their, their hands are tied. They're helpless. They have to watch this company that his father built from the ground up get destroyed by a man who knows nothing about wrestling whatsoever. Nothing. Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal comes out and he's with very shanky. It's good to see that Shanky's okay. It's good to see that what after happened, what happened with Shanky, that he's that, you know that he's okay, that he's not you know worse off than what he was, what we thought he was, which leads us to Drew McIntyre versus Veer and Shanky in a two on one handicap match. It's an incredible match. That's all I'm going to say, guys. Is it's absolutely incredible. It really is. It's an incredible matchup. I love it. It absolutely is amazing. Of course, it does end with Drew McIntyre winning, but he wins by DQ because of Jinder Mahal. Who did not see Jinder Mahal doing this? Who did not see that coming? Because I did. I saw it coming. Jinder comes in, and he's got chairs. Ham and Shanky and Veer all have chairs. And they're going to need to swing for the fences for Drew McIntyre. Well, Drew McIntyre goes, oh, you've got chairs. Well, guess what? I got a sword. He's holding his sword, his family heirloom. The sword he named after his mother. He's holding it. And he literally swings that sword and knocks the chair out of Ginger's hand. Swings it at Veer. Veer gets out. Shanky's left standing in the ring with that sword pointed at him. And Drew's got that look of, what are you going to do? You going to swing that chair at me or are you going to drop it and go? Or am I going to swing the sword at you? That sword is pointed. <laughs> the sword is mightier than the, than the chair. Pretty much. Drew has literally got it pointed. Shanky drops his chair and gets the heck out of the ring. He does not even want to fall with a Drew McIntyre with a sword. Uh-uh. Don't want nothing to do with it. I'm getting the heck out of here. And they take off running. I mean, they are running. Running to the back, getting the heck out of there. They want nothing to do with Drew McIntyre and his sword. Bah! 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 Ginger's a chicken. He's a chicken. Don't want to challenge Drew. I told you. You don't know what this match is going, what's going to happen with these two. The sky's the limit. This is going to get interesting as to what happens. So then we get Nia Jax with Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley. This is a really good match. I really was looking forward to seeing what Nia could do against Rhea. 
I was really looking forward to seeing how these two would match up together. And they do a really good job. It's an incredible match. It's absolutely a fantastic, phenomenal match. I love it. It's great. It's fantastic. Go check it out online. But it's amazing. It ends, of course, with Rhea Ripley winning that match. Shayna does try to cheat. She does try to get up there and help Nia, but it doesn't work. It backfires and Rhea wins. But what happens after the match sets into motion what I knew would eventually come. Shayna and Nia again are fighting in the middle of the ring. They are fighting. Absolutely fighting. They cannot seem to agree. They can't see eye to eye. Corey Graves and all of them are calling it, you know, hey, you know, you two need to calm down, you know, settle your differences, you know, you need to get back on track with what you're doing. They're fighting. Shayna can't, ha can't handle it. She just can't handle it. She walks off and leaves Nia in the middle of the ring. She's done. Shayna's done with it. She don't want to deal with it. She's done. Rhea turns back around, puts and takes it, puts Rhea, puts Nia in a riptide, takes her out, done, and walks out like a boss. I see that this is the end of Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. I see that this is the end. This is the last. It's done. It's over. Well, Mason T. Bar are back in the ring, and they want another shot at Ali Amansoor. Now, guys, Ali is in his hometown of Chicago, Illinois. So you know the crowd's going to get loud. They're going to get rowdy. They're going to get crazy. For those of you who don't know, Ali, before he became a wrestler, used to be a cop for the great city of Chicago. So he knows a lot of people in Chicago, and they're all chanting for Ali. They love it. It's incredible. It's a great match. It really is. And like I said, I love Monster and Ali being together. It, it, it's exciting. I love it. Of course, it ends with Mason T-Bar winning the match. Okay, now we're one-to-one. -one. I like it. We need a rubber match. I absolutely like it. After the match, Ollie's uh, trying to talk to Monsoor and trying to, you know, tell Monsoor, you remember, you got to keep your head on a swivel. You got to watch what you're doing. And Ali, as Monsoor's in front of Ali, and Ali's standing in front of you, you in behind him, right? They're talking to him, and Monsoor's facing him, and T-Bar and Mace come up behind Ali. And Mansoor sees it. He knows Ali has got trouble behind him. And he gets up to go help Ali. And Ali shoves, shoves Mansoor out of the ring and takes the beat down. He protects his tag team partner and gets the beat down. And he pushes him out of the ring to take the hit. Tell me again, guys, that's not a tag team unit. Tell me again it's not. Because it is. It's incredible. I'm looking forward to seeing what Mansoor and Ali will do next. Charlotte Flair comes out to the ring. And, of course, she's got a mic. because she goes on about how she won and then lost the title. The crowd literally starts chanting like they have been for weeks for Becky. And she looks at him and goes, well, Becky isn't here, is she? She's not the one selling out arenas. So stop chanting for her and shut up. Boy, that was a blatant disrespect to Becky Lynch, wasn't it? Are you really sure of disrespecting the mind? Have you lost your mind? Have you hit your head? Becky, come in there and whoop your butt right now. Don't disrespect the man. That's crazy. You're absolutely insane. But she does. 
Then she starts complaining about how she's been cashed in three times. Three times. Oh, man, would you like to get us a tissue? Would you like, to get a, would you like for us to give you a tissue? You want some cheese with that wine? Really, Charlotte? You're going to sit there and whine about being cashed in three times? Cry me a river. Build me a bridge and get over it. There's people been cashed in more than you, and you don't see them crying and complaining about it. She says the money in the contract, the money in the bank contract is theft. Really? Because I remember a time when you used to fight for that money in the bank contract. I remember a time when you held that money in the bank contract. Are you really going to say it's theft? Because believe me, if you had had that money in the bank contract, you would have done the same thing Nikki Ash did. There would have been no question you would have cashed in on Rhea. No question you would have, because you would she keeps going on about Nikki and how Nikki stole from her and blah, blah, blah. While she's going on, here comes Nikki. And she brings a chair. And she swings for the fences. Charlotte gets out quick. Because Charlotte does not want to deal with Nikki Ash. She doesn't. She doesn't want to fool with it. She's done. She gets out. And we all know that she's got a match tonight against Nikki Ash in a no-holds-bar match. It's round two to prove that she deserves to be in that championship match. Wah, crimey river. So then we get Dewdrop and Ava, or Dewdrop with Ava, versus Tamina. It's an incredible match again. Tamina showcases why her and Natalya are champions. We all know Natalya's out for a couple weeks. So it's really good to see Tamina, you know, show what she can do. And Tamina whoops, I mean, really wipes the floor with Dewdrop. She really does. Dewdrop trials, but Dewdrop don't stand no chance against a Samoan girl like her. Ain't no way, ain't no day. You can definitely tell Tamina's third generation superstar. She gets a lot of her fight from her father. You can see it, you know it. And she whoops her butt. Tamina wins that match. After the match. Alexa appears on the screen and says, because we all know every time Dewdrop wins a match, Ava's always saying, and the winner is Ava Marie! She takes the claim for every win. Well, Alexa gets on the screen and tells her, and the loser of this match is Ava Marie! I'm loving this thing with Alexa. I, I told you, Alexa, Ava Marie pushed Alexa too far. She pushed her way too far, and it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be downright brutal what comes if she does not stop. It's going to be nasty as to what Alexa does to her. Now, to mention that little doll, Ava, uh, that little doll of hers, Lily. You can imagine what Lily would be capable of. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. We get Ms. TV. And Ms. TV this week features Damien Priest. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the Archer of Infamy. I love, I'm looking forward to seeing him and Miz in a ring together because the last time they were in a ring together, Bad Bunny was involved. And Bad Bunny whooped his butt. So I love it. And that, you know, Damien, you know, he goes, you know, gets him, you know, goes after the Miz because the Miz starts blatantly disrespecting Damien Priest all over the place, blatantly disrespecting him. Miz claims that he is the reason that he's in the wheelchair and Priest is getting tired of hearing him run his mouth. He's really tired of hearing him run his mouth. And Morrison, you know, starts running his mouth saying, hey, 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 you're on our show, sit down, blah, blah, blah. Well, he takes out Morrison. He's had enough of Morrison. Priest takes him out. You know, 
and soaks Miz with his own uh, his own drip six. I love it. Drowns Miz. I need drowns that nice three piece suit. Absolutely drowns it. It's incredible. Guys, I apologize for the barking in the background, but apparently my dog wanted to state her opinion about Ms. Ms. Morrison and Damian Priest. It seems to me, it seems like she likes Damian Priest. Good choice there, or I like a good choice. Shout out to my dog. She's got good taste. But let's move on. This leads to Damian Priest versus John Morrison. Absolutely incredible match, guys. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's a great match. Damian Priest does beat the heck out of John Morrison. Who didn't see Johnny Drip Drip getting his butt whooped by Damian Priest? Who didn't see it? We knew it was going to happen. After the match, Sheamus attacks Damian Priest from behind. We all know this leads to what happened last week involving Damian Priest and Sheamus. We all know that's the reason Sheamus did it. Oh, yeah, Sheamus, your nose is broke. We really see that. Sure. Well, in the middle of that fight, Ricochet comes out of nowhere. We never saw Ricochet coming anywhere. And Ricochet comes out of nowhere to help Damian Priest and clears the ring. Well, in WWE fashion, as we all know, that leads to Damian Priest and Ricochet versus Morrison and Sheamus. Can Damian Priest not catch a break? You guys are going to wear him out having him in two matches back to back. But he stands tall. Him and Ricochet do a fantastic job. It's an incredible match. Absolutely amazing. And of course, Damian Priest and Ricochet win that match. Who did not see that coming? Who did not see that coming at all? Next, we move on. Is Bobby Lashley going to accept the challenge or not from Goldberg? After what happened earlier involving Bobby Lashley and MVP, we all are like, is he going to accept it? I mean, come on, Goldberg has speared MVP, but we all know why MVP blatantly disrespected a, you know, a, a superstar's child. What do you expect was going to happen? You know what's going to happen. So is Bobby Lashley going to accept his challenge for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam or not? Well, Bobby Lashley gives us our answer. He accepts his challenge. So, at SummerSlam, it will be Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg for the WWE title. Not enthusiastic about it. Not happy about it. But, okay, whatever. Let's move on. Then we get Matt Riddle versus Almost. We knew exactly why this happened because of what happened last week involving Almost and AJ getting involved in Riddle's match. We knew this was going to happen, so it was inevitable that breaking his scooter, we knew it was going to happen. So it leads to Almost versus Matt Riddle. Again, amazing match. Absolutely incredible. Almost shows what he can do. He showcases his power. Almost wins the match. Absolutely impressive, guys. You need to go check this match out. It's absolutely impressive. Well, Alexa's on her playground. And she's talking about everything. And how Lily's now to time out. And she's happy to have Lily back. And she's excited about Lily. When all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Dewdrop attacks Alexa from behind. And Ava picks up Lily and throws her. I mean, throws her onto the ground. And walks off. Poor Alexa's hurt. She's absolutely hurt. Lily, the doll, is laying on the ground when out of nowhere. Lily, the doll, stands up. Guys, you heard me correctly. Stands up on her lily feet and giggles. The doll 
likes it and make the sound. The doll does it itself. Ava, you just messed up. Now you're on Lily's radar. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Here we go again. Karrion Cross is back on Raw. And he's facing again Keith Lee. This match again, not necessary, not needed. But again, Nick Khan trying to exude his power. And gives Keith Lee the win. Really? Keith Lee the win? Are you kidding me? But Keith Lee wins. They're going to do this again. They're going to make Karrion lose against Scarlett's not with him. Have a big problem with that, but he does lose. Reggie gets again to defend the 24-7 championship in the ring against Akira Tozawa. Stupid match. No point in having it. Just trying to showcase what Reggie can do. And, of course, Reggie does win that. So then we move on to our main event. No holds bar match. No DQ anything goes. Charlotte Flair versus Nikki Ash. Rhea Ripley comes out this time. She does. She comes out. She's watching the match. She's absolutely watching it to see if Nikki can actually do it. She's watching it very closely. It's an incredible match. Nikki and Charlotte give it everything they got. And I mean, they really do. Nikki really showcases what she can do. Nikki's an incredible performer. She deserves that title more than anybody. And she does a great job. It's an excellent match. And of course, this time, Nikki proves she's not a loser. She's not. There ain't no way she's a loser. She beats Charlotte Flair. You heard me correctly. The winner of the no holds bar match is Nikki Ash, and she wins it fair and square. No cheating, nothing involved. We actually get to think, and in my mind, and probably in some of y'all's mind, get to see the old Nikki, the Nikki Cross from Sanity, come out and whoop her. It's incredible to see. Looking forward to the SummerSlam match. So now we move on to Friday Night Smackdown for 8-6. Again, guys, bear with me. I'm going to go through this as quickly as possible. If you cannot keep up, Go on your social media and check out the matches as I cover them. SmackDown opens with a sold-out crowd at Tampa Bay, Florida, and Sasha Banks comes out to the ring. She claims she's back for her spotlight and that no one should steal her spotlight. No one will ever steal her spotlight again. And out comes Bianca Belair. And she walks toward the ring, and she tells her she won't be standing when she gets in that ring. As Bianca climbs into the ring, Sasha gets out. Chicken, gonna get out. All talk, no show, ain't you? She stands up on top of the commentator's desk, of course, with the help of Pat McAfee. Gotta give shout out to Pat McAfee. Gets her up on the commentator's desk, and her and Bianca have a little spat, a little conversation back and forth between the two of them. The Sasha wants this, and if she knows better, da 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 da. Well, Zelina Vakas are heard enough. Zelina comes out and calls Sasha a little leech. Saying that Sasha's leeching off Bianca, trying to steal everyone's thunder, blah, blah, blah. I was, she, Sasha tries to go back at Zelina Vega, and Bianca goes, Hey, Sasha, Zelina Vega wasn't talking to you. Shut up. Be quiet. Let Zelina do, let Zelina talk. Thank you, Bianca Belair, for being very, dis, being very respectful to Zelina and letting Zelina have her time. Zelina tells her, look, you promised me a match. You accepted my challenge. Now I want a match. And, you know, she is right. She's justified to say it. And she tells her, okay, look. Bianca goes, sure. She goes, Sasha, I'll see you at SummerSlam. Zelina Vega, 
I'll see you tonight. And that's how the segment ends. So are we going to get Bianca Belair versus Zelina Vega? Could Sasha Banks play a key role in this match? Guess we'll have to wait and find out if Pearson DeVille approve it. So then we get Jay Uso versus Dominic Mysterio. Guys, this match was done from the start. It was over even before it began. It was an absolutely impossible match. There was no way we knew Dominic could do it. We know there was no way. Of course, yeah, I guess you already know, Jay Uso won the match. Absolutely, absolutely not even a match, really, to me, in my opinion. Rick Boogs comes out, and here goes Pat McAfee, and here comes Shinsuke Nakamura, leading to a championship contenders match. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Apollo Crews with Commander Aziz. If Shinsuke wins this match, he gets a shot at Apollo Crews' intercontinental title. It's an incredible match, guys. It absolutely is an amazing match. You need to go check it out. You're going to love it. It's fantastic. I love it. It's great. Nakamura wins that by DQ because of Commander Aziz, which means because, yeah, he won it. He won it. You heard me correctly. He gets a shot at Apollo Crews' intercontinental title. Could it be at SummerSlam? Highly possible. Very possible we could see this. Well, here comes Heyman, because Kayla's been standing outside Roman Reigns' door trying to figure out how Roman feels about what John Cena did last week and where he stands, and Heyman comes out to talk to her. He says he is, I think, he's thieving a title shot from Finn Balor. Thank you, Paul Heyman, for calling out the obvious. He stole Finn Balor's shot. That's exactly what he did. You ain't lying. You ain't sugarcoating it. You're telling the truth. He stole stole from Finn Balor. And he says, look, he doesn't get to slide into a title shot because he doesn't deserve it. He's not proven that he deserves a title shot at all. All he's proven is that he's a thief, and that's how it is. That's just how it is. He doesn't deserve it, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Roman don't want to discuss it. We're done. He goes to walk away, and all of a sudden, he hears giggling behind him. And when he turns around, there stands Mr. Money in the Bank himself, Big E. And he's holding that Money in the Bank contract on his shoulder, and he's giggling like a Cheshire cat. Basically telling Heyman, tell your boy to have his head on a swivel, because I could be coming for that title at SummerSlam. You could see me cash in on him. It's highly possible. Big E grinning from ear to ear. Heyman's not happy and walks away. It's freaky. It freaks Heyman out. So then we move on to Tamina versus Tegan Knotts, and Chelsea Blackheart is outside the ring. This is another good women's division match. I like it. It's incredible. It's fantastic. It's absolutely phenomenal. You need to go check it out. Of course, Tamina deserves more props than what she got. Tegan Knox does win that match because Shotzi hits her with tries to hit her with a cannon. It almost I mean, it almost hit poor Pat McAfee sitting at the desk. It flew by so fast. It's an incredible match, guys, and y'all need to go check it out, but like I said, Tegan Knox did win that match. Well, then we see Pierce and DeVille talking, and they're talking, you know, they're talking low, and we're pretty sure they're talking about the whole John Cena, Roman Reigns thing, and exactly how they're going to deal with this, blah, blah, blah. Well, Selena comes up. She tells them, look, all I want you guys to do tonight is tell me that I have my match against Bianca Belair. I don't for the title. Just tell me that I have a shot at it. Just tell me that I get to do my match. My match is next. And they tell her, look, 
We're not saying that your match is next. We're not saying that you even get a title shot. Yes, Granda Bianca Belair didn't accept your challenge, but she never said it was for a title. She never said it was at all. Look, we're going to tell Sonya, goes, look, I'm the one making matches around here, not you. You don't get to decide when I make a match. I do. I'm the one that has the authority to that. And by saying that, if you can beat Bianca Belair, Bianca Belair tonight, you will get a shot at her title match, at her title, against whoever wins the title after SummerSlam, whether it's Sasha or whether it's Bianca, you will get a shot at that title if you can beat Bianca tonight. She's okay with that. Selena likes it. She's going to prove that she can do it. She walks away. Well, Edge comes out to the ring, and Edge basically, for, of course, is thanking Tampa first. He tells him, hey, guys, I want to let y'all know, Seth isn't here tonight, so I can say whatever I want to. We ain't got to worry about any interference with Seth. He says, you know, what would he do to Seth that would put, you know, what he would do to Seth to put him in jail? What he wants to do to Seth could get him arrested. Of course, we know what Edge wants to do. And we all are like, yeah, get him, get him, get him. We want to see a good fight between you two. He says, you know something? Him and I are a lot alike. Because what he did at Money in the Bank, I would have done the same had the roles been reversed. I would have done the exact same thing. So I can't really say I don't blame him for doing what he did. I can't say that at all because I would have done the same thing. But of course, again, he isn't here. So by saying that, I think that he and I should end this now, in this feud right now, get it over so that we can move on. He can go do his thing and I can go do mine. Well, Seth appears on the screen just to prove, hey, I might not be at my uh, SmackDown, but I can still pop up. I can still show up at any time, have your head on a swivel, because you never know where I'm going to be and when I'm going to pop up. And he starts picking on him at first. He says, you always have, you know, a, you always have to have a plan, a plan B, a backup. Because you never know what could happen. Even if I'm not there, I always have a plan B. Just remember that. I always have a plan B. There's always a backup to everything that I do. And Edge tells him, you know, you're right. There is. And I do have a plan B. I've got a plan B in mind. How about you and I have a match at SummerSlam? And Seth's sitting there and he goes, hmm, uh, let me think about it. You know, he says, this little comeback of yours is over. He starts talking about his family, and that's a blatant disrespect. You don't talk about Edge's family. Don't disrespect a man's family. Don't disrespect Beth. Don't disrespect his daughters. Don't do it. And Edge silences him quick. Basically, silences Seth quickly. He reminds him. He eliminated him twice in two separate Royal Rumbles, he also tells him, you know what? You're Edge Light. You're Edge 2.0. Oh, Seth does not like being called Edge number two. No, 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 he don't like it at all. He tells Edge, look, I'm better than you, Edge. And you know I am. So with that, said, with that being said, you want me at SummerSlam? You've got it. So now we're going to get Seth Rollins versus Edge. I like it. It's going to be interesting to see where this feud goes because we're not that far out from SummerSlam. Two weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens at SummerSlam. So then we see Finn being interviewed by Kayla. 
And she let, basically he lets us know that he's upset over being kicked out of his Universal title shot match. And it's not going to sit well with him. He's not going to let that slide. So tonight he's going to face Baron Corbin. And when he's done with Baron Corbin, he's coming after John Cena. Ooh, now you've angered the prince. Oops, that was a big mistake. You weren't thinking clearly, were you? So now we see after this, the Street Profits versus Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. We knew a long time ago that the Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode were the reason the Street Profits lost the title. So it was only a matter of time before we would get this fuse rematch between the two of them. And it was absolutely an incredible fight. It really was absolutely incredible. And it leads to the Street Profits winning that match. Absolutely an amazing match. So now we get after that, the match we were promised, Bianca Belair versus Zelina Vega. It's a non-title match. Vega has to prove that she can beat Bianca Belair. If she can, she will get a shot at whoever wins the title after SummerSlam. It's an incredible match, guys. It's absolutely incredible match. One point, Sasha comes out, causes a distraction. Vega gets back control. It's an absolute great match, but it ends with Bianca Belair winning that match, which proves that Selena Vega will not get a shot at whoever wins between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair after SummerSlam. Vega gave it all she got, and I have to give props to Vega where, where credit is due because Vega really did give it all she got. She did an incredible match. I have to give her props. So then we see in the back, Paul Roman Reigns is sitting in the chair, and Paul Heyman walks up to Reigns and says that Baron Corbin and Finn's match is next. He's letting Heyman, uh, Heyman's letting Roman know their match next. And Roman goes, I'm interested. What does that mean? Is Roman going to show up during their match? Are we going to see something we ain't expecting? We all know John Cena isn't there tonight. So we know we're not going to see John Cena. So you know, he'll be there next week. But we're not. We're all scratching our heads going, what? Huh? Excuse me? What? what? It'll be interesting to see. So then we get our main event, guys. This is your main event. Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. This is an amazing matchup. Something that I promise you will be worth the watch. Go look it up on social media. You will not be disappointed. You will absolutely love it. It is incredible. It is an incredible matchup between these two competitors. It's amazing. Finn Balor does win that match, so we know where Finn's heading next. He's going after John Cena. Take out the two people that cost him a shot at the Universal title. Finn wants to face Roman for the title. He wants Roman Reigns, and I can't say that I don't blame him for wanting Roman. That I, I truly believe Finn deserved a shot at the Universal title. I really believed he did. He earned it. He's worked his butt off to get to this point, and John Cena basically highway robs him. That, to me, I think is only fair. Well, Roman comes out, and Roman and Finn both are in the ring together, and they're looking at each other, and Roman, you know, has a mic, and Roman, you know, Get, you know, he doesn't, he gets why he's upset. He gets why Finn's upset. He understands it. He completely and absolutely understands it. You know, he understands. Roman says, look, I tried to help, help you. I really did. But then you had to turn around and run your mouth and talk about me. And the first thing you need to know is you need to keep the head of the table's name out of your mouth. You have to keep it out of your mouth. Don't be talking about me. Don't be running your mouth about me. 
be quiet. Just you just be quiet. Well, when he turns his back to walk away from Finn, Finn pushes Roman out of the ring. Bernie literally pushes him out of the ring. Roman hits the ground. Roman turns around and is like, ah, oh, hells no. You ain't going to do that to me. Takes that jacket off and gets ready to come back into the ring. Usos come out of nowhere and attack Finn Balor. Who did not see the Usos playing a part in this twisted role involving Roman and Finn? Who did not see the Usos being in it? We know damn well the Usos are going to be involved in it with John Cena. We're not stupid. We didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. But they're attacking Finn. Well, Finn manages to get back control and takes out the Usos. And Balor just keeps going at him. I mean, he just keeps going at him. Roman comes into that ring out of nowhere. And the fight's on. Roman and Finn are fighting each other. It is a knockout, dragout fight. Well, the Usos come back again, which makes it completely and absolutely uneven, unfair. Roman manages to take out, you know, take him out with the guillotine, all because the Usos were involved. Roman's standing tall at the very end of SmackDown. And that is how SmackDown ends for this week. Now, guys. First, before I do anything else, I want to thank you guys so much for being patient. I know this has been a long podcast, and I've had a lot to cover, and I apologize for it, but I wanted to let you guys know what was going on, keep, keep you all up to date. Now, like I said, I'm only doing this podcast every two weeks. I'm going to try my best to shorten the podcast from now on to where I kind of keep you up to speed with what's going on currently this week, you know, the second week, and kind of give you a brief overview of what's going on the following week that led up to the next week. I appreciate you guys. I really do. I appreciate you guys so much for listening and being so patient and being hanging out with me. Like I told you guys, due to my schedule being changed at my job, I'm going to be doing this every two weeks. I'm going to be giving you guys double features. So you guys are going to be getting a really good, you know, podcast. It's going to be a long one, but it's going to be a good one. So I promise I won't leave y'all in the dark. I won't leave you out. Again, thanks guys so much for listening. Because without you guys, there would be no me. And I deeply appreciate it. Anything that you guys want to talk about on social media. Anything you want to talk about. You want to talk about the Bray Wyatt release. You want to talk about anything at all. Get on my social media. Hit me up on my Facebook, on my Twitter at Wrestling Nights, and my Instagram at In the Ring with Brandy. We'll talk about anything. Anything you guys want to talk about, I'm willing to listen to. I would love to hear your comments. I would love to hear your, your thoughts, what you think. I would love to hear it. And again, guys, I want to thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see you guys next time with more In the Ring action. Have a great two weeks and see you in see you in the next the following Sunday. Have a great week.